when I started it 11 years ago, um, just me in a, in a closet loving weather um, to, you know, I would have never thought that we would produce a product that would save someone's life. What goes on behind the scenes when you see this storm coming, you see this storm approaching, what kind of stuff are you guys doing on the back end? I started the company, I had a love of weather, but I, I knew nothing about the restoration industry construction at all. You say chasing <laughs> tornadoes. I'm thinking yes. Twister, right? I'm thinking the movie Twister. Uh, first of all, was that your favorite movie? And second of all, is that what Chasing Tornado, is that what that is? Problem that they were trying to solve with buying our product, which was tell me where a hailstorm happened, wasn't really the problem that they had. The problem that they had was, is they needed to know where hell damage was. Guess when I became a public adjuster, 2008, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to make so much money. All these hurricanes, I can't wait. And then nothing until 2017, but that's okay. If, if you're at home, that's where you can go. You can go into your shelter and that will not. Um, no, no one has ever died uh, in the storm shelter. Do you have like a general rating on like the severity of a storm? Sort of to lump them all in one? Is it humans? Are we the reason that it's getting warmer? Or is it just a cyclical pattern? What's up, advocates? And welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. Guys, have you ever heard of Hailtrace? If you haven't, you need to go on right now, hailtrace.com, and find out what Hailtrace is all about. It's only one of the best hail weathering maps, wind weathering maps, Hailtrace meteorology maps that you could locate and pinpoint exactly what neighborhoods, what location, and where you could actually pinpoint where to go door knocking or find out where people have suffered any kind of wind damage or hail damage after a storm. And guess who I'm speaking to today on the Claims Game Podcast? The owner, the CEO, and the man in charge of all of it, Derek Klein. Such a great and wonderful conversation I had with this man. He is just obsessed and in love with crazy weather, meteorology. He used to... Uh, chase tornadoes and he's got some great stories about that obviously his favorite movie is twister so it's just like a really really cool interview and you're going to learn a lot about the ins and outs about what goes on behind the scenes at hill trace to make sure that you as a public adjuster restoration contractor roofer whoever it is that you deal with these um these events after uh these homes and buildings after these storms I mean, this is what you need. You need this in your arsenal. You need this for your team. And we're going to learn everything about it here in the Claims Game Podcast with this wonderful interview with Derek Klein. So stay tuned. Listen up, advocates. Whether you're a public adjuster, contractor, or an attorney, if you have a client that has suffered any kind of catastrophic loss, whether that be by fire or storm or just any catastrophic loss that requires your client to have to move out and incur ALE and loss of use coverage, you need to think about looking at Black Diamond Services. This is an incredible idea for a service that I think is extremely valuable and I've actually personally used uh, for my clients myself. Basically what they do is they provide all of the necessary money that needed as needed to be done for the homeowner uh, to go and move to another place, whether that be a hotel or another home or whatever it is, they basically bill through their insurance policies loss of use coverage, and basically they provide financial assistance so that the insured never has to incur any out-of-pocket expenses. It's an amazing service. I love the people at Black Diamond Services, especially Millie Varela. If you just contact her and contact Black Diamond Services, I'm telling you, they're going to take care of your climate clients like you wouldn't believe. I personally have a client who suffered a fire damage and had to use their ALE coverage. And all we did was refer them to Black Diamond. Our clients did not have to come out of pocket a single penny. Black Diamond provided all of the financial um, uh, money and they provided the actual location for the homeowner to stay. Amazing service. Contact Black Diamond Services today so you can find out more information for yourself. 
Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. All right, Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm pretty excited to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, by the way. By the way, we are on here with Derek Klein. Derek Klein is the owner, CEO of the infamous, famous Hail Trace. Welcome, man. Welcome. Again, I'm really, really happy to have you on. How you doing, man? Good, man. We're doing doing really well. It's uh, It's been an exciting year. I'm excited for next year, though. It's, you know, what, two weeks away now. We're almost to 2022, so it's kind of crazy. How the hell did that happen? Uh, yeah, I, you got me. It, it's going so fast. Like we were, we were working on some stuff uh, the other day and I was like, yeah, well, well, we got all this to do. And they're like, Derek, you, we've got like Christmas and new year's is next week. <laughs> I was like, Oh, how are we going to get all this stuff done? <laughs> it's like, like we were just talking before I was telling you about all the crap that I got going on and your, your response is just life of an entrepreneur. Like it doesn't That's stop. It. And then the problem is like with us, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've read uh, traction at all or anything like that and visionary and integrator and stuff The the, I almost say like the hell that a visionary has to go through is the constant ideas that continually just continue to come out every single day like freaking diarrhea it's like a hundred a day and you've got to even like sort of filter some of them but then you want to implement some of them but then two days later you might be like you might have forgotten about that idea already and then it's, uh-huh. it's insane isn't it it's it's non-stop I, my, my favorite is when they wake you up you know it's two in the morning and boom you're awake and you're you're done like the day started you might as well go 3.30, 3.30 for me. It's like it's like a clock almost. 3.30, I wake up and I'm either waking up in sweats, worrying about something, or I wake up because of a new idea. Yeah, and that would be 2.30 Central Time. That's where I'm at, so we're doing it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Next time I wake up at 3.30, I'll call you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that sign you got behind you, man. Think big. Yeah. What's the, yeah, what's the story behind I'm, that? Well, so I'm one one of the things like like I I go back to when when I started Helltrace and I, I started the company I had a love of weather but I I knew nothing about the restoration industry construction at all and um, I I got to where I am today in a big part because of curiosity um, and so one of our core values one of our biggest core values here at Helltrace is curiosity. So I encourage our team and everybody that works here to to be very curious about everything. Explore: Is there a better way to do something? What is that better way? Um, how does how does whatever it is? How does it work? Um, you know, and just just be curious. And and so and part of that, you know, when you're curious, you learn to think big as well. So don't don't be afraid of tackling something that you think is impossible. And I'll give you a great example is, um, you know, with our team. Um, so the tornadoes occurred in Kentucky, um, on December 10th. Um, and, and as a meteorology company, we watch that stuff happen live as it happens. And, and we, 
understand pretty quickly the impact that it's going to have on the community. So we're tracking this tornado as it moves across. We watch it hit town after town after town and the debris signature on radar. We know this is a catastrophic loss. Wake up the next morning and reality is what we thought it was going to be, unfortunately. But uh, one of my team members, um, out of curiosity and thinking big, said, hey, we know a lot of people in Oklahoma and our community where we're at. And we know in Oklahoma, we've dealt with, in fact, the last EF5 tornado was in Oklahoma in the United States. And so we we have an understanding of what the, the folks in Kentucky are going through. And she was like, let's let's do a charity drive. Let's do a donation drive. And I was like, you guys do realize, let's, let's be curious. Let's think through what that means for us as a company. Um, and uh, we, we put our heads together. We spent an entire Saturday. Um, the tornadoes happened Friday night. We spent all day Saturday planning out this charity drive and deciding that we're going to drive supplies from Oklahoma to Kentucky, uh, which we're doing on Sunday. Um, we decided, Hey, let's do it. And so we've, we've done it. Literally my office right now looks like a Walmart. It is, I mean, we have tables out everywhere with signs on like what size of clothes go here, pants, shirts, short sleeve shirts, kids clothes, you know, toiletries, feminine products, water. I mean, we have cases and cases, pallets and pallets of water. I mean, there's, there's probably total donations there's probably between 10 and $20,000 worth of stuff that's been donated to our office so far. Um, we expect today to be our biggest day. We've also had almost $40,000 in cash donated as well. So, um, so we're, I mean, we just took it on and we, again, thinking big and, and now we get to make an impact on the people in Kentucky as we drive all this stuff to Kentucky. So um, and that, that's just kind of our motto. That's, that's who, that's what we're about. Is there anywhere that, uh, the viewers could, could go to that they could go to and they could help you with this drive that they could, uh, donate? Sure. Absolutely. We have a GoFundMe set up. Um, I don't have the link memorized, but I can, I can forward that to you. Um, and, uh, and we can get that, get that out to the viewers. That's at least people, if they're in Oklahoma, um, watching, they can go to 80 East fifth street in Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, and they can just drop off stuff. Um, but outside of that, uh, we have the GoFundMe where we'll take that cash and get it to the people that need it the most. We're doing gift cards or we're even, we're trying to buy a lot of stuff here in Oklahoma to not take away the supply chain in Kentucky, right? Um, supply chain issues have been a big deal. Um, so we don't want to, we don't want to go there with $30,000 in cash and buy coats from the Walmart that's down the street from the place that was just destroyed. Let's let somebody buy themselves there and we'll just come there with the coats, you know? And so, um, so that's, that's kind of been our plan. We have tons of gift cards. I think we're doing $22,000 in gift cards that we're going to hand out uh, when we get there. So that's um, amazing. yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. Um, so what we'll do to at the end of this, at the end of the, of our show here, I'll do like a live on, on Instagram or, or, or Facebook to see if we can get some donations now, because we'll probably, we're not going to put this probably for another week or two. So it won't be too late by then, right? Uh, we will already have gone out there, but we can definitely get gift cards and mail them, um, to, to the people there. So, so yeah, so if they still donate, what we'll do is we'll just mail this stuff. Um, to them as opposed to driving it out there. 
Tell me a little bit about what goes on behind the scenes at Hail Tra- uh, Trace, and tell me a little bit about this storm uh, in relation to the storm. So this 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 tornado hits, and you guys, you mentioned you're a meteor meteor. God, that's such a tough word. Meteorology <laughs> is, company. Uh, what goes on behind the scenes when you see this storm coming? You see this storm approaching. What kind of stuff are you guys doing on the back end? Well, you know, so I mean, it, it starts off with forecasting, um, and we do we do a daily forecast every day. But um, so so we go through. And we try to forecast out what it looks like um, for us as a company and then for our clients, um, because there, there's two parts to it, right? Because we, we, have, we have nine meteorologists on our staff. And so we have to make sure that we're staffed properly to, to track the event the way that it needs to be tracked. And so, so um, as, as we start to see the scope of the storm system, and a lot of times it's, you know, it's 24, 48 hours, 72 hours notice. Um, so um, as a meteorologist, you have to be very flexible, <laughs> um, you know, kind of prepared for who knows what's going to happen, how long you're going to have to work. Um, on that particular tornadic event, they went until four or five in the morning. So we had somebody working, multiple people working until four or five in the morning. And that started at seven or eight that, af- that, that afternoon before. So, excuse, excuse um, my ignorance, but what is it that they're doing throughout this time? Are they just like refreshing a page? Yeah. Are they driving out to the middle of the tornado? Like, what is it that the <laughs> meteorologists are actually doing? We, we, now we do, we do love chasing the tornadoes, but uh, what, what we're doing um, as far as for our customers. So we have, um, we have high, high definition radar um, and we've custom built that software to read in a way that we can track tornadoes, wind, and hail very quickly for, for what we're trying to do. And so literally every two and a half minutes, that radar is updating, and then they update the map to go with it. Um, and so um, it, it's, uh, it, again, it's live and, and understanding, you know, the, the, and we, we added a new facet to it this year, but understanding before the contractor, right? They, they want that data as quick as possible. Um, you know, if it's a hailstorm, they want to know where, you know, if it's eight o'clock at night, they want to know at eight Oh five. And so that's, that's always been our goal is to be able to, to put that out as fast as possible. Um, I said, we added a new facet here recently. We, we were, um, blessed with the opportunity. Um, we are the only company that tracks tornadoes the way that we do. Um, and so we, we were able to hone in the tornado tracks within many cases within like a thousand feet. Um, and so, um, we were able to give those tornado tracks to FEMA. Um, and so, uh, they estimated it saved them between seven and 14 days, um, as far as being able to respond to the tragedy in Kentucky. So, um, it added a new facet now to where it's not just, Hey, we're trying to help a contractor get out where they can sell roofs. Now, all of a sudden we're potentially saving lives. Um, and so it's, um, it's really cool where the company is gone from where it was when I started it 11 years ago. Um, just me in a, in a closet, loving weather, um, to, you know, I would have never thought that we would produce a product that would save someone's life. It's amazing business entrepreneurship and the direction it goes where sometimes you've got this vision or you've got this Mm -hmm. idea and you've got an idea of where it's going to go. And it just not necessarily goes in a different direction, but it just blossoms into something so much more incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Take take me back to your closet 
11 years ago, <laughs> loving weather. What was the initial idea behind Hail Trace? I could only assume um, it was something in regards to, you know, obviously contractors and having uh, having the ability to really track weather events to, uh, like you said, go sell roofs, put new roofs, insurance claims, so on and so forth. Was that it? Was it something different? What was it like back then? Honestly, it was something different. Um, and I mean, we can go back, you know, real far. So I've, again, I've loved weather since I was five or six years old. Um, as soon as I turned 16, I started chasing tornadoes. Um, and so my, in fact, my first tornado was uh, May 3rd, 1999. For those that aren't tornado buffs and know the dates of every tornado that's ever happened in the country, uh, that was in Moore, Oklahoma. It was an EF5 tornado or as an F5 at the time. Um, it, they measured winds at 319 miles per hour and still to this date, it's the strongest measured wind gust, uh, on the planet. So, Holy crap! right. So welcome to storm chasing. I was 16 and I was hooked at that point. Um, you know, at understanding the power of the, of those storms. Um, so from that point on, I, you know, I'm doing internships at our local TV stations. I'm chasing storms nonstop. Uh, any chance I can get, you know, I go and I go and chase tornadoes or I didn't chase hail at the time. Um, so fast forward to 2008. So we're about 10 years later. I'm married. I have, uh, I think I'd, I might've had my second already. We, we, we were either getting ready to have our second child or we're, we already had our second child. Don't remember the date of the hailstorm, but I'm, I'm at my house and, uh, this hailstorm hits my house with tennis ball size hail. Um, I still vividly remember because I was really excited. Um, so I'm sitting out on the front porch watching the hail. And the only thought that's going through my head is, is that, you know, my car is getting dented out in the driveway. But um, outside of that, you know, I, again, I didn't know roofs got damaged from hell. I was, you know, young. I didn't, didn't know any of this stuff. Um, in fact, someone came and knocked on my door a couple months after the hailstorm, and this is 2008, so it's not as aggressive as it is today um, with technology and stuff. So someone comes and knocks on my door. He actually got up and said we didn't have damage, um, which um, should have been a red a red flag for me as far as understanding contractors and their view of what is damage and what isn't. It's a it's 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 a variable for sure. I'm surprised um, that wasn't but, I'm surprised that wasn't the insurance adjuster saying that. <laughs> right. Um, so we, we go to sell our house though, about a year or two later and, the, um, you know, they come out and do the inspection and they're like, your roof is smoked. It needs to be replaced. Um, so we get the roof replaced. I still don't do like two and two don't go together. I don't realize it's the hailstorm that totaled my roof. Um, we had had a windstorm that had blown some shingles off at one point. Um, just a couple, like on one side. So I just assumed that's what it was. So I continue to go on with my life chasing tornadoes and hail. Still have no idea that there's a business opportunity around hail and contractors and adjusters. And I, I don't know this game yet. Um, and so we get we fast forward to May 16th, 2010, and uh, this catastrophic hailstorm comes through Oklahoma City. Um, does over a billion dollars in damage. Still to this day would be the the costliest hailstorm in Oklahoma history. And um, and still does nothing triggers. I just am watching it as a weather nerd, just geeking out on this storm. And about two days later, a friend of our family's um, had become a roofing salesperson. And she called and asked me to ask me if I could make her a map, um, knowing that I chase storms. And, uh, and I built a website about three or four months prior. 
Um, I called the website Extreme Weather Predictions. Um, the goal of the website was to take people on storm chasing tours. <laughs> um, so, so that, so, and, and literally, if you look up Helltrace, that's actually a DBA for Extreme Weather Predictions LLC, um, because I created a business and everything around it to do that until three months later when someone said, Hey, can you make a hell map? And I still remember thinking, why would they want that? Like, why would they want to know where it held at? And she's like, there's a lot of money to be made. And so over the next year or so, I spent that next year transitioning the brand from, I'm not going to do storm chasing tours. That actually wasn't that good of an idea to, I'm going to make these hell maps um, and and try to turn it into a business. Um, Did that, you know, again, for about a year, um, and then took the money that I had made and purchased a booth at the International Roofing Expo in Orlando, Florida, February 2012. And uh, that couple of weeks before that is when I quit my my day job and made Helltrace my day job. So, nice. so that's that's literally how I got into the industry. <clears throat> so a couple of things as I'm listening, uh, I, 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 <laughs> I write little notes down. First of all, I'm, I'm going to go back. We'll get back to Helltrace, of course. But you say chasing <laughs> tornadoes. I'm thinking yes. Twister, right? I'm thinking the movie Twister. Uh, first of all, was that your favorite movie? And second of all, is that what chasing tornadoes? Is that what that is? It, that is what Chasing Tornadoes is. And that was my favorite, probably still is my favorite movie. Um, like I'll, I'll be flipping through the channels and like Twister will be on like, yeah, I'm going to watch this right so, now. <laughs> so they do a good job at depicting what it's like to chase it's tornadoes? Pretty. I mean, you don't get inside of an F5 tornado. You you die if you do that. But um, outside outside of the, the parts where they get in the tornado, if you take everything else, they it, it's a pretty good job, actually. What about, it's, it's what about not, those little... What about those little balls that they send that like flies into the tornado? Is that like a real thing? They don't have the balls, but we have, <laughs> that sounds funny. Um, I know, I know. You know what we, I'm talking about, right? Those little like. But yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, they put, they put the, the Pepsi cans on, right? Um, yeah. So that, that is not, but they did create, and I don't know if the idea came from the movie or what, but we, there, there, there were these sensors that were created that, storm chasers will get in front of the tornado and set it down and then hope the tornado goes over the sensor where they can measure barometric pressure, wind speed. They actually put a camera inside of it so they can see, um, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Samaris, um, who's no longer alive. Um, he was actually killed in a tornado. Um, he was the first person to put one into a tornado. He did it in South Dakota on an F4 tornado. Um, and got tons of data that the meteorology community has been able to use to, to enhance warning times and, and all that type of stuff. So same concept, a little different in the way that it's done, but, um, but it's, it's a true. And, and to say, is it, and I said, we don't get in the tornado, obviously, unfortunately, um, you know, he did, um, you know, it was a, it was a strong EF five tornado and there, there were three people in his car. It killed all three of them. Um, oh so, God. I mean, they, they, they found the motor like mile, like half a mile away from the car. Like it removed the motor out of the car. Um, you know, they found them half a mile away from the road where they were, where they were tossed it. And then typically that th- th- these are the only deaths ever from storm chasing. So we'll make that clear. Like it doesn't happen that often. Um, this is literally the only time this was, uh, May 31st, 2013 is when this happened. Um, so it's, it's very rare, but this was a pretty rare tornado. It was, um, 
it was moving Southeast at 20 miles per hour. It was about three quarters of a mile wide. So it was a big tornado. Um, And then it turned to the Northeast, which is not an uncommon behavior for a tornado. So, and like me, I I actually chase similar to the way Tim does. I chase on the North side of the tornado. Um, It's called the bear's cage. Um, You get a better shot. Like you can see the tornado better from that. And then a lot of times if it's wrapped in rain, that's the only spot you can see the tornado. So, so as this tornado makes that turn to move to the Northeast, it accelerated. So it was moving Southeast at 20 and then turned to the Northeast, which is the direction that he was from the tornado and accelerated from 20 miles per hour to 55 miles per hour. And then it expanded from three quarters of a mile wide to 2.6 miles wide in 30 seconds. What? So, so literally the tornado went from this small tornado to ex- like it, it grew into him. So it wasn't like it moved, like, I mean, it accelerated towards him. It didn't him move at the same in 30 time. seconds. It just moved and grew. So it's like, it's like and five grew seconds. at the same time. Yeah. So it was like, like just came up and just basically ate them is what happened. Um, I'm literally drawing yeah. like the path of the tornado and like thinking mm-hmm. like you're supposed to drive on the north side. So they're like chilling. They're basically behind it. Right. And then yeah. all of a sudden it just makes almost a V like almost like a U-turn in a way and just goes yep. back the other way and then expands from three quarter to two over two and a half miles wide. Yes. Yep. And it would, it goes down today as the widest tornado in us history, 2.6 wow. miles wide. So, but it's not, I've got it. I've got a bit. If you're chasing a storm or a tornado uh, from the bear's mm-hmm. cage, um, I'm yep. assuming that that, that V turn or that U-turn in a way does not happen very often. Yep. It's, um, that, well, the U-turn does happen. It's called occluding. Um, so, so what's happening is, is typically you're about to see a handoff. So, so rotate tornadoes, it's called a cyclical supercell. So they will cycle. Um, and so what'll happen is, is it'll take that tornado and it'll pull it up into the core of the storm and almost eject it out the back. Like it just gets rid of, just trashes it and gets rid of it. But while it's doing that, a new circulation is formed. And so sometimes you'll get two because the other one will actually form a tornado as the other one's still falling apart. So that's what was happening. Um, and it, it, tornadoes are, they're really just small scale versions of a big low pressure system. So like, for example, we had the big severe weather outbreak um, yet two days ago in Kansas, and there was like this big low pressure system. It looked like a bowling ball that, that would be a tornado um, on a storm. And then the clouds, you could see it was literally like a big comma head that that's the storm um, would be that. And that low pressure was actually occluding. It was actually pulling up into the storm as it strengthened and expanded and went directly to the north. So it was doing the same thing. It was had the same behaviors as a tornado, but on a continental scale, right? So it's the size of the U.S. continent um, instead of, you know, a five mile, five mile radius. This is fascinating to me. The whole it's, idea. It's, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and, and chasing storms. It's just like, how many storms, how many, I'm, I'm sorry, I keep going back to these tornadoes because I keep yeah. making Twister. How many of these tornadoes yeah. have you actually been behind and like looking at these and chasing them and studying them and doing, I mean, I know you're still I, studying them, but like actually out there storm chasing. And second I, follow-up question, did you actually give any uh, any tours? Uh, we did... 
we did one paid tour for $150. So that's, that's how much money we made. (laughs) Um, And I have seen, I've lost count. I don't know exactly what the number is, but it is somewhere north of 400 tornadoes. So um, I've also been in 10 hurricanes, like in, like in the eye of a hurricane. And would you say a hurricane is just basically a massive tornado, right? In a way, because it's like goes kind, like this. Kind of, you know, like, kind of, yeah, yeah. It's it's a low pressure center, so, yep. That's fascinating. So you're like sort of when I was a little bit younger, except I didn't, obviously didn't take it to your level. But I remember born and raised in Miami, Florida, uh, Hurricane mm-hmm. Andrew. Um, and yes. just any other hurricane that would come in. And my dad and I used to get really excited about it. We used to get really excited about, oh, look at this thing. That's amazing. Like what Mother Nature could actually just build up and create and the destruction that it can cause, which obviously it's a sad situation for many people. But just the idea of the of the of the climactic nature of a, of a, of a, of, a, of what mother nature, the, the, the destruction that it can bring and what it could actually develop is, it's just always, it's always been pretty, pretty interesting to me as well. You know, it's just a fascinating mm-hmm. topic on what could happen. I've never seen a tornado in person though. That must be pretty amazing. Yeah. Most, most people have not even, even in Oklahoma where I live where we, you know, where we get a lot of tornadoes. Um, most people still haven't ever seen one. In so person, what is the what? What do people do? I mean, you live in Oklahoma. You says it happens pretty often, but like you know, again, I live in Florida, and people don't realize that although there has been a lot of hurricanes, for a hurricane to actually hit specific to where you actually live, let's say Miami, or let's say I'll just use Miami as an example. When you really look at it, really over the last thirty years or so, Miami's only been hit by. I would say uh, maybe less than a handful, maybe about a handful of actual hurricanes. So living in Oklahoma mm-hmm. with tornadoes, you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into these homes, right? Are they tornado proof? Some of them are there locations where they are, where there is no, there is no tornado proof. Is there? Mm-hmm. No, no. And Cause tornadoes are definitely worse than hurricanes. Uh, right. At least the strong ones are, but they're more um, specific, right? Like, uh, they are, are and, they, and they're, mass. they don't, yeah. So like, like you living in Miami, even, even if you didn't get impacted by the eye of Andrew, you were still impacted by Andrew. Right. Um, maybe not, maybe not as devastating as the eye, but you know, you still potentially had damage from the storm itself. Um, a tornado might be two blocks wide and dam- you know, it's damaged path. It can be very small. Um, so like for me personally, my house has never been hit by a tornado and I've lived in Oklahoma my entire life. Um, my sister's house was, um, and I think that's my only family member that has been wow. is my sister. So, um, so most people, I, I would say the number is probably 90% of people, 95% of people in Oklahoma have never been hit by a tornado. So, whereas if you live in Florida, you've probably been hit by a hurricane if you've lived there for very long, um, for you know, sure. so, so it, it is a little bit different, but the difference is you don't have the warning time, right? So we, you know, we get told that there's a chance of tornadoes, but you don't know if it's going to hit you or not. In fact, it's less than 1% chance that it's going to hit you. So you kind of just have to go about your day, um, you know, and just know, all right, if something comes my way, here's what I'm going to do. Um, again, houses will, will get messed up, but, um, a lot of houses in Oklahoma do have storm shelters in them. Um, and so that's, if if you're at home, that's where you can go. You can go into your shelter and that will not, um, no, no one has ever died, uh, in the storm shelter. 
Um, tell me about this storm in Kentucky. I mean, you said you're going over there, right? What kind of what kind we of are. destruction are we talking about? It's pretty it's pretty insane from what I've been reading. It is. It is. Um, you Some know, of the worst you've seen. Uh, it's up there. Yeah, for sure. That so the the length of the tornado track is probably the most amazing part of this tornado. Um, I do. So there there's been speculation that it might break the record um, tornado path length, um, which currently sets at 219 miles, which is a long, and that was in 1925. Um, I do think this tornado did not break that record. I think it lifted um, based off of what I saw on radar. Um, but who knows? It's, you know, there's, there's a small scale. There could have been a really small tornado still on the ground that wasn't detectable by radar. Like it had rotation. Um, so it could have been on the ground for as long as 250 miles. Um, which would mean it would break that record. Um, but either way, it was for sure on the ground for about 158, I think, um, which is extremely incredible. Um, and then strength-wise, it's it's up there. It's one of the strongest tornadoes to ever occur in Kentucky. Um, it'll probably be a top, top five strength-wise, um, maybe the deadliest tornado to ever hit Kentucky. Um, I'm not for sure on that, but it's going to be up there if not the deadliest. Um, I know the death toll, the last I saw was at 90. Um, and so um, cost-wise, it's, it's going to be an expensive um, repair. Um, fortunately, it wasn't a fairly unpopulated part of Kentucky. So, um, you know, there's a lot of rural areas that it traversed as opposed to, but it did hit some towns. Um, so for example, like we're delivering our material to Dawson Springs, it's a town of about 2,500 people and 75% of the town was leveled. Wow. So that's, that's, it's even though it was a rural area, it's still extremely impactful. Um, and, uh, what about, what, what is it that, oh, I had a question. I can't remember what it was. Um, well, tell me about this other one then, uh, the one that just the, a uh, couple days ago in Kansas, I think it was, was it Kansas? The weather system that there was like, to, it was yes. like a wind event. Yes, it went from it went from Kansas to um, all the way. So it went well. So I mean, there's two parts to the system, right? There were the thunderstorms, and then there were the high winds that were just because there was a really strong low pressure. Um, and so, um, if you look at um, if you look at the thunderstorm winds, they started in like central western western part of Kansas and then accelerated to the northeast towards Minneapolis. Uh, the, the storms themselves were moving at around 100 miles per hour, um, which is ridiculously fast. <laughs> um, and so they they produced they did produce um, some smaller, weaker tornadoes, probably about 15 to 20 of them. Um, they were they stayed fairly rural. There weren't any big communities hit or anything like that. Um, but that it did produce widespread, it's called a deratio. Um, it produced widespread winds of 75 miles per hour or greater. Um, and it basically went from Nebraska and Northern Kansas all the way through most of Iowa up to about the Minnesota border um, is when they finally started to die down. Um, so I know, I know like, for example, Lincoln, Nebraska um, had 93 mile per hour winds recorded in Lincoln. Um, but then you can go, so outside of the thunderstorms, so we had this big low pressure system and it was producing strong winds without a thunderstorm. 
Um, and so all of Western Kansas, Colorado, the Oklahoma Panhandle, the Texas Panhandle, Western Nebraska, uh, Wyoming, all had high wind, like 80 plus mile per hour winds. Um, and that was just a windy day, right? The sun's out and the wind's blowing 80 miles an hour. Um, and, um, and even higher than that, uh, Lamar, Colorado had a wind gust to 107, um, and Colorado Springs hit 95, I think. So it was a, it was a powerful storm system to say the least. Um, do you rate these storms like on a, like, obviously the tornado has their own ratings. Hurricane has their own ratings. Uh, wind storms mm-hmm. has their miles per hour. I'm sure hail mm-hmm. has some kind of rating, but just, do you have like a general rating on like the severity of a storm sort of to lump them all in one? I'm just curious. Like, is there well, like, okay, this is a severe storm. It was a hail storm, but this is like the worst of the hail storm. It was a wind storm. Mm-hmm. And this is like the, like, do you have like some kind of rating like that? So we, we have our own rating that we do. We, we rate them from one to five stars. Um, gotcha. So that, that would be the specific storm itself, right? So like the, the derecho wind event. And even though, so like for us, we're, we're trying to account for the amount of damage as well. So not just how strong was the actual storm. Because, um, I mean, while that matters, it also matters, does it impact stuff? Um, so, so like a great example is the derecho that happened in Iowa last year in 2020, in August of 2020, um, you know, went from Iowa to Chicago, basically. Um, it had winds, I think they measured winds 140 miles an hour in that. So we're talking, you know, cat three, cat four hurricane type stuff um, and did a ton of damage um, and hit, I mean, Chicago had 90 mile per hour winds. There, there was just stuff, every, you know, everywhere that so I think $17 billion in damage. So that that's a five-star easily. Um, we rated the derecho in Nebraska, a four-star. Um, Did you mainly say because the winds derecho. Okay. Yep. What, what is yep. that? Uh, so that's a, a long scale high wind event. So okay. it's, it's a, it's winds over 75 miles an hour that lasts for longer than two hours. Gotcha. So not, not at any one location, but the storm itself produces 75 mile an hour winds for over two hours. Um, so that it gets categorized as a duration. So duration is kind of like, it's like a land hurricane almost gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. is, is the best is kind of a way to explain it. So, so we rated that one a four star um, because it was, it was over a lot of rural areas. Um, so we kind of lowered that down a little bit from, not from the one much, that hit more people. Not quite mm-hmm. as much catastrophic damage to a high populated yep. area. Yep. And we do the same thing for hail storms. Um, so we'll rate those from one to five stars um, based off of the size of hail that impacted the population center. So baseball size hail in the middle of nowhere is a one star. Baseball size hail in Dallas, Texas is a five star. And you've been this, you've been doing this for, you said about 11 years now. Have you noticed a trend mm-hmm. has, is the number of five-star events, has they got, have they gone up? Is it just sort of up and down? Is it a steady incline? What would you say? I mean, like everybody's always freaking out, global warming, this and that, the world's going <laughs> to end and all this crap. We've got more storms. Uh, ha- is that really true? I mean, you would be the one to answer that. You know, I... Know. So I, I, so I'll say a few things. I do think global warming is a thing. Um, the, the, the argument that oh, you get no, on you the political didn't. Oh, side. Oh, no. Oh, no, you didn't. Right. You just pissed off half your, uh, <laughs> half your clientele. That's it. No, well, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, so, so, so here's what's interesting. So 
Um, I mean, the, the earth itself is getting warmer. The, the political side of it is why is the earth getting warmer? Right. Um, so is it, is it humans? Are we the reason that it's getting warmer or is it just a cyclical pattern? Um, and I'll, I'll just take the easy road out and say, we don't know. I, I don't, I don't think there's a way to, to know for sure. I think there are, there are some things that pointed that humans have contributed to it, but I also don't think that we have a big enough understand. you know, our, our planet's been around for a long time. And so we have a hundred year history of temperatures to know, and we have seen waves and cycles, right? But the question is, are we seeing waves? Or are we seeing swells? You know, so you, you can have long-term patterns and with short-term patterns in between, right? So that's a swell with a wave on top. So if you have a, if we have a swell in temperature and then a wave on top of the swell, we're going to see a, a rapid increase in temperature for the earth. Um, and that's going to be scary. But if it's a swell and a wave, we understand that it's going to go back down too. Um, so the, the earth is designed to balance itself out. Now, if we're causing issues with that, will the earth try? I think the earth will still try to balance itself out in some way. Um, but the earth's going to do it on its own time. And we, we don't understand what that is. Um, it's like, it's like George, so, Carlin, George Carlin says that it's just like, everybody's always worried, save the earth, save the trees, save the bees, save the, this. It's like the earth has been around for long before humans. We're the one that's <laughs> fucked, not the earth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, so I, I think we have to look at it from that standpoint. Um, so, but if we look at the severity of weather events since I started Health Trace, um, the worst health season in U.S. history was 2011. So we we haven't gone up from that. Um, in fact, we're this year, 2020. Talk about, when, talk about perfect timing, Derek. 11, about 11 right. years ago. <laughs> at, I know. Right. Like <laughs> I definitely wasn't, wasn't prepared for that. It was just me. So <laughs> I could, could have made a lot more money. I'd been doing that 10 years at that time. True, true, true. <laughs> um, but um, this year, 2021 will go down as the slowest health season in the last 20 years. So it's because there's too many, roofing you know, there's too many roofing contractors and public adjusters. That's why. Now, now they're going to kill me because I just said that, right? So, no, um, I'm the one that hurricanes. Said it. That's okay. That's how we weed right. them away. We weed them. Away. Oh well, there's never going to be hell again. Let me just do something else now. You know, that's better for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, hurricanes. I can I can make the same same, same connection, thing. right? We we went we went ten years from 2007, 2008, 2007 to 2017 without a major hurricane making landfall in the U.S. Oh, trust me. 2017 happened. Guess when I became a public adjuster, 2008. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to make so much money. All these hurricanes, I can't wait. And then nothing until 2017, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. And then 2004, yep. there was three that hit Florida. Yes. And, then, and then one that hit Texas as well. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yes. Um, so 2000, yeah, there were four of them. And then and, 2005 and 2000, was Wilma and Katrina. Yes. Um, and you know, so to that, but then, so from 17, you know, we had, um, what was it? The, uh, Michael, Sally, uh, Michael hit the panhandle. My, Sally hit the pan. Well, Michael, Pensacola. Michael was, Michael was 18. Irma was 17. Um, Florence was 17 in North Carolina. We Sally, had, um, Sally was 20. That was last year yep, in Pensacola. Yep. I wasn't, I was, I was in Sally. I was in Irma. I was in Michael. I was in Florence. And then I was got, in Harvey in Texas. 
And then, and then you've got, got the Louisiana. Poor, does, the Louisiana does it for those poor people. I mean, what is it? Three in uh, over like two and over. years? It's crazy. Uh, more than that. It's uh, so they had Laura, they had Zeta, they had Delta, they had um, what was the one this year? Irma. Um, I feel like there's one. I feel like they had a low end Cristobal or something like that, like a uh, low end that sounds one. Familiar. That sounds right. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think they've had five or six hurricanes make landfall in the last two years in, in you know you uh, gotta, Louisiana. You, know you have a problem when you start to name the storms Delta and Zeta and all those names when they run out of names, you know? Yes. Right. So, that That's was crazy. Uh, so, so then I guess you can't really answer that question. Yeah. I mean, you, I, I would say time will tell, but I think we'll all be dead by the time it tells. So I, I think it's, you know, that weather patterns are much bigger than our lifespans. Um, there, there are short ones too. Um, so the, the weather's made up of lots of little patterns and lots of big patterns. And so, you know, we, we try to understand them the best that we can. Um, there are different patterns that set up. So you have La Nina and El Nino. Those are weather patterns. We also have oce- oceanic cycles that, that, you know, that we can track, like one's called the MJO, which is the Indian Ocean. And that that one really affects a lot of times hurricanes. So when we get into the right phase with that, we can always count on that wave coming across or creates like a Kelvin wave, which comes across, which is just a big area of lower pressure. So when these little storm systems underneath it and the pressure's already lower around them, it makes it easier for them to get stronger. Um, and then we have, you know, for severe weather, we have like our PDO phase, which is the Pacific oceanic cycle. And so when that gets negative, um, that tends to make the jet stream more amplified in the U.S., which is what we have right now. Um, and that's why we're having so many, so many big storm systems. So, you know, the question is, will we have La Nina springtime and a negative PDO all at the same time in the U.S.? The last time that happened was 2011. So will that ever repeat itself again? Right now we're a little early, right? It's December. So we have the negative PDO, but it's just too early in the year to, to do that. So, you know, will that, will that phase hold? We don't know. We'll, we'll see when we get there. It's so funny. Like you study it and you do what you can to, to learn it. This, but at the end of the day, none of us have any control over it. You just have to sort of wait and mm-hmm. see the, you could see a trend or you could see something, but at the end of the day, just like, uh, just like this tornado you explained to me, it could just turn Northeast out of nowhere and then you're stuck. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So that's insane. That's, but that's why I love it, you know, so yeah. trying, trying to figure it out. Unpredictable nature. And I guess that's something that you can never stop learning from ever. Mm-mm. Yeah. There's always something new to learn. So tell me more about Hail Trace and uh, what are some of the things that you guys have going on now? I mean, 11 years later, I mean, that's, that's incredible. That's commendable for anybody to have a business for that long. You know, it's, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that you guys are doing now? I, uh, I am an active user of Hail Trace. Uh, I enjoy it thoroughly. Uh, I think it's tremendous. I have my guys in Texas that use it, throughout Florida that use it. It's an amazing uh, software that you've put together. Um, but tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, so we, obviously in 2010, it's, it's interesting when I started it, I hand drew all the maps and we still do that today. Um, I actually thought it was a weakness, but it was it was my only means of being able to create a product. I didn't I didn't have the software engineering ability to go to go build an algorithm. So I just, I knew how to look at a radar and I knew how to use Google earth. And so 
that was, that was the means to the end. And then it, it turned out that, Oh, that's actually more accurate than an algorithm. So, um, so I just hired meteorologists to, to duplicate myself. Um, how do you do that? How do you draw a map? Is that what you're saying? You would just withdraw it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so would I would, I would, Earth and you would look at a storm or something like that and you would just I'd sort have, of like outline I'd have, it. yeah, I'd have this radar software that would have, you know, all the little roads on it and it'd have the radar on it. And so I could see, you know, where that hill lined up on the roads. And then I would have Google Earth on another monitor and I'd go, okay, that's right by that road, cool. and then right by that road. And then you literally just back and forth and you just draw it out, make the different layers. Um, and it, it's time consuming. It takes again for us. So we have nine meteorologists on staff. Some of them are for research and development, and then some are for actually tracking storms. Um, six of our meteorologists are for mapping the storms in the U.S. So it takes six meteorologists full time to track all of the U.S.'s severe weather. Um, Do they draw? They draw. You rely on still handwritten drawing from a meteorologist, meteorologist than you do from a, from any kind of software program or, yep. or wow, that's really cool. Yep. So um, now what's interesting is, is we, we do think that the algorithm has some strengths to it. Um, we think the meteorologist is a, it has some strengths to it too. Um, what we found was, is they're actually, they actually offset each other. Um, what one does well, the other doesn't. And what, what the other does well, the other doesn't. Um, and so we've been, so what we've been spending our resources and money on has been trying to figure out how to blend that. Um, so we're going to call it our hybrid map. Um, and that will be a mixture of an algorithm and a meteorologist map. Um, and there's some interesting things that we're doing. I can't obviously get into all the details because it's our own, our own cocktail, if you will, of, of how we come up with this. But um, we, we have now figured out that we can get to the point now where not only can we say hell size, but we can give you hell duration at any individual location. Um, we can give you hell volume at any individual location. So I can tell you how much hell is falling and how much of it was big and how much of it was small. Um, and we've even built it out as far because when we, when we take into those factors, all of a sudden we start to understand how damaging the hail actually was. So instead of showing up to a roof that had two inch hail, but it got hit with one of them, um, which wasn't enough to total the roof, right? One hailstone is not going to total a roof. We can now tell you, no, there were probably, you know, 50 hits on an entire roof or even, there were eight hits per square, or, I mean, we're starting to get into some of those type of analytics. And so we have not released this yet, but we have been testing it uh, with our own theory. And um, we, we ran a test in Colorado Springs on a handful of storms and 91% of the time, if we said the roof was totaled, it got replaced. And so um, that was some stuff that we were super excited about. Um, and so, so we took that a step further and we said, well, a lot of times these storms are actually cumulative. Like it's a combination of this storm plus this storm plus this storm that totaled the roof. It wasn't a singular storm. So we built an algorithm. This is what an algorithm is better at. We built an algorithm that can actually accumulate that. Not only that, but it, you can also tell it what type of roof it has and how old it is. And it will score that roof based off of its possibility of being totaled. Um, and that's literally where we're headed is in that direction. 
it's not just that too. What uh, I'm looking at Hill Chase right now, just to you know refresh my you know just to look at it, but even like the contacts that you guys provide, where you can mm-hmm. even get contact information of people that could just help with door to door people and stuff like that. that Absolutely, you can actually personalize messages to them and stuff like that. It's really incredible. Yeah, and that you know, and that 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 idea came from a need really for us. I mean, at the end of the day, right? We're let's let's just be honest. We're all entrepreneurs, and we're all here to make money, right? So like, we don't need to skip around. Like my, I want to make money, and so I want you to spend money with me. But um, the one of the biggest hardships that we had, and I think this is something that contractors deal with too, um, is that when when November would roll around, there weren't any hailstorms. So there wasn't a revenue source for us. And so we either had to be really smart with our money um, and understand that we're going to be bleeding money as we get into November, December, and January, or we have to figure out a way to make money. And so in order to do that, we had to solve a problem. And we understood that contractors had the same problem that we did. They needed to make money in the off season, just like we did. And we understood that there was still hell damage and that, the, the problem that they were trying to solve with buying our product, which was tell me where a hailstorm happened, wasn't really the problem that they had. The problem that they had was, is they needed to know where hell damage was. And so if, if we took that idea and we said, okay, so it's November, is there any hell damage right now? We said, the answer is yes, there is hell damage in just about every city. So how can we help contractors sell to people that have held damage? And, and obviously we didn't have the solution like we're, like we're coming up with now. Um, that's a derivative that's still coming, right? Thinking big curiosity, right? But um, at we knew that contractors could go knock doors and find out if there was health damage. They could overlay some stuff and kind of kind of come up with their own concoction of an area that, that had damage. And so let's supply them with information that helps them sell. So, Let's give them data. Let's tell them who lives in the house. Let's give them their email address. So if they wanted to shoot out an email, they can do that. Um, let's make sure that they can easily get the data loss at the property. Let's make sure that there's a phone number. We can get that phone number for them. Let's make sure that if they need to follow up, they can drop a pin and understand that, hey, I need to follow up with this address. Um, let's alert them when their customers get hit because you know there is little rogue hailstorms throughout the year. And sometimes that can make or break your year if you excel on something that you didn't think was, was really that great of a storm. I'll I'll give you a really good story. Yeah. I was, I was in Orlando at uh, Dimitri's roof roof process show that he had a a few weeks back. Um, Contractor comes up and um, he's telling me how, how he uses our stuff. And, uh, he's like, yeah, we haven't, we have, there's actually two of them around this. This is pretty interesting. He's like, we haven't had a, we, we don't get a lot of storms. Um, and I was like, okay. It's like, I was like, so how, how did the product work? He's like, it was far and above the best thing that we had. He said, I, I can show you, even though we didn't have a lot of storms, I can give you a two and a half million dollar deal that we landed off of this product. And as funny as I went and looked and it was a two-star map for us, we said it wasn't a, wasn't a great storm, but there was a big, big complex of metal buildings in there. And this guy landed that deal. Right. So it doesn't take that much. Another story that we heard at this same, at this same event was um, a contractor in Michigan 
who said, I've been using your product for two years. It's one of the best things that we've ever had as a company. We said so we, we consistently now have hail damage. He said, it's interesting. He, and he was, it's funny because he was like talking himself through the realization of this. He goes, you know, we never used to have hailstorms in Michigan, but since I've had your product, we've had hailstorms every single year. And then he goes, wait a minute. I don't think we knew that there were hailstorms happening. We just didn't know they, they were happening and we didn't know that they were happening. And so it was funny to watch the light bulb go off. And he was like, Oh, Oh my gosh, can't believe this. You know? So, so that was, that was really, that's probably one of my favorite things about, you know, used to going to trade shows. It was all about getting new customers because we didn't have that many. Now we talk to lots of customers and it's so fun to hear the stories of, you know, how, how this software platform has made them successful or, or, you know, what it does. So what's, what's some of the more popular features that people tell you about that's their favorite feature in regards to the whole system? The whole software? Oh, I mean, you know, I think you, you, there's obviously depends on the contractor a lot of times, but um, I, I would say feature, our number for me is a contact feature that you can get the contact information of an entire city or of an entire area that just got hit. Right. I think it's incredible. Yeah. And that, that is a huge one. Um, and, and people really like that we enabled it in two ways that you could draw the area that you wanted to get, or you could just say, I want everybody that had two inch hail. Um, and so it makes it real easy and it doesn't take a lot of work to, to get that data um, sent to your email. Um, I think the other one that we get a lot of great feedback is the customer feature. So I've got all of my customers in the software. I get alerted when they're hit and then I get the list of my customers that were hit. Because um, a lot of people in their their marketing strategy is when a storm happens, first I go to my customers, then I go to that list that you referenced. Um, Cause we're going to call all of our customers first. They're easy. Um, we're going to have a high, high conversion rate with them. And then, then we're going to go to the, to the new stuff and, and start working that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, man. It's an amazing thing that you've put together. Um, and, and I see, it seems to me like you guys just keep thinking big and you keep just uh, really hitting that core value of curiosity. I'm looking forward to see what's going to be next for you guys, man. I think it's going to be pretty amazing. Me too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fun to watch it progress. <laughs> cool. Well, Derek, I do really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm sure we'll see each other soon at one of the thousand conferences that they put on that are put on every year. So I'm sure we'll see each other soon. And, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on. I, like I said, I'm an avid user of, uh, Hill trace. My entire team uses it. And I want to thank you for being such a forward thinker. Uh, and, and really having that curiosity because there's really, I mean, there's, there's a couple other softwares out there, but, uh, none, I think even come close to what you've provided. So I want to thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me as well.